Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, everybody. My name is Rick Thompson. I'm the pastor here at Living Water Church. I want to welcome you, and I want to welcome those who are joining us online. We are starting an an exciting new series that we are calling He Shall Be Called. He Shall Be Called. And it's based on, as you saw, Isaiah 9, 6, where where, uh, he prophesied, he says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And so in this series, what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks, and I'm going to encourage you to be here and come, in, come a little early because you might even enjoy the worship. <laughs> to be here because we're going to be going over the different names that the prophet Isaiah saw some 700 years before Jesus was born and how those names relate to us and how, what we can expect from him in having a relationship with him. The first thing that he saw was he, was he shall be called a wonderful counselor. Someone say a wonderful counselor. Now, I don't know how you feel about counseling, but the Bible suggests that it's not just a God idea, it's a good idea. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, without wise leadership, a nation falls. There's safety in having many advisors or many counselors. Proverbs 15, 22 says, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 24, 6 says, so don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having many advisors. And so if you're one of those who, who are so proud that you can't listen to good counsel, the Bible considers you a little bit foolish. We all need good counseling, and I'm a fan of good counseling. But having said that, I came across some Funny counseling jokes that I, I want to try out on you guys. Let me, let me, let me. I, I, this, this one person says, I told my therapist I can't get the Grease soundtrack out of my head. And so he told me, tell me more. <laughs> Some of you don't even get it. The young people don't even get it. The older ones, you explain it to them later. Another person said, my therapist told me to write letters to people I hated and then burn them. I've done that. But now what do I do with the letters? <laughs> a man is talking with his therapist. The therapist says, it seems you have a severe phobia of marriage. Do you understand the symptoms? The man replied, can't say that I do. <laughs> the therapist says, yeah, that's the main one. You know, can't say I do. You, you got to come on. Just, just work with me. Just a couple more. The therapist says, <laughs> the therapist said to me, your wife has complained that you never buy her flowers. <laughs> what do you say to that? I said, to be honest, I had no idea my wife even sold flowers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Last one. Last one. Last one. It's, this fella, this, this young lady, she admitted, she said, I asked my therapist who their therapist was, and so I went to see them. I then asked them the same thing until I got to the final boss therapist. 
and I defeated them with my train wreck of a life. Listen. <laughs> Listen. How many know, as far as God is concerned, there are no train wrecks that he can't fix? Amen? There, there's not, nothing that you can't bring to him that as the original OG, and, 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 and if you go to one therapist, this God is the therapist above all therapists. He's the counselor above all counselors. He, the Bible calls him the wonderful counselor, a, a title that he's earned throughout all scriptures as we see God speaking to us to and through the prophets from Moses and the, and, and the Exodus to Isaiah with his prophetic chapters on the coming of Christ. Daniel in the lion's den and the counsel that he gave to the kings of his day. And how about Joseph? Remember him who was scorned by his brothers but chosen by God to save Egypt and Israel and all of the known world through the godly inspired counsel that God gave him. Samuel gave counsel to David. The prophets Elijah and Elisha spoke to both kings and commoners, the voice and the will of the Father. And the bottom line is, there is no greater counselor than God himself. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. So he is the personification of the Father. And so what does God want? He wants his people to hear and to know him and to receive his counsel and his will for their lives. Jeremiah tells us that if we seek him, we will find him if we seek him with all of our hearts. Hebrews 1, 12, 1, 1, Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 says, in the past God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, come on, someone say these last days, he has spoken to us how? By his son. Who's the son? Someone say Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. Jesus made some bold statements while he was walking on this earth. He said, my sheep know my voice and they listen to me. Are you listening to the voice of the shepherd? Are you listening to the wonderful counselor in your life? James 1.5 says, if any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And I love that part where it says, without finding fault. You know how they say there are no stupid questions, there are no dumb questions? Well, the person who said that never worked with teenagers. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but as far as God is concerned, he, 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 there are no dumb questions. You could bring it to him, and he says, without finding fault, he will give you the answers that you need. Now, Isaiah was a prolific prophet during probably the most perilous times during, his, during his, his time. The 66 chapters he wrote are filled with judgment and justice, love and redemption. But one thing you'll see throughout all 66 chapters, through the hard times as well as the seasons of peace and prosperity, there's always a thread of hope. There's always a thread of hope. Now, why is that important? Because I don't care how dark things may appear in your life. Listen to me. You are not hopeless. You are not without hope in this world. As long as you have breath in your lungs, take a deep breath. Come on. And a beating heart. You are not without hope in this world. Now, let's be honest. For many people, this season is a, is a tough one because loved ones have gone home to be with the Lord in the past year. And Christmas, you know, quite frankly, is not going to be the same for them. And for others, it's another Christmas spent kind of hustling the kids between homes because of divorce. 
And honestly, you never dreamed that this was going to be your life and how difficult it would be. For some, it's going to be difficult because you've had job issues or money issues, things are tight, and you're, you're kind of wondering you know, how you're going to provide funds for your kids for the things that they're hoping to get under the tree. And, and, and some will spend Christmas in the hospital with loved ones who are struggling, and others were wondering if they will ever see another Christmas. And so this is not all fun and, and you know, rosy for some people. I mean, a lot of people, their list of worries and anxieties is longer than their children's wish list. But my friends, don't miss what you're going to hear today. and Don't miss the purpose of the season. The wonderful counselors come to lead us, the Bible says, to counsel us and to comfort us through every single worries and fears that we have. Amen? Psalms 32, 7 says, you are my hiding place. And you will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. And I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. God loves you. God loves you. And he wants you to, to succeed. So the question this morning is, how do we maximize on, the, on this counseling relationship that the prophet Isaiah saw and it's like the song, song we heard earlier in the set. Some of you didn't weren't here because you weren't even here when I sang the song. But it, it's, it's the, I once was lost with sin, but Jesus took me in. And just a little talk with Jesus will make me whole. That's oversimplifying things. But I tell you, my friends, that is the answer to a lot of the issues that we are facing in this life. We need to talk to Jesus about it. Amen? We need to bring it to him. And so to receive good counsel or God counsel, the first thing I want you to write down that we need to do is we need to tell Jesus what's going on. Write that down. Tell Jesus what's going on. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious. Help me out, somebody. For nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Amen. So it says, don't be anxious for anything, but with everything, with, through prayer and petition and worship, bring your requests to God. And the Bible says the end result of us taking it to the Lord will be, verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, why is that important? Because there's so many people during this time will seek Peace in all the wrong places. They'll look for, they'll look for it in pills and, and parties. They think if I just find the right people or if I can just go to the right places, then I'll find peace. But I'm telling you, the peace that you're looking for that's everlasting is found in a person, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? Jeremiah 29 said this, and we read this. It says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you search for me with half a heart. I just want to make sure you, you're making sure that I'm reading it right. Come on, somebody. What does it say? Turn to someone and say, you got to give him it all. You got to give him all your heart, okay? For, for this thing to start to take root and start to work in your life. Now, we see this all throughout the scriptures when Moses and the children got into trouble with the Egyptian army position to wipe them out behind them. The Red Sea was in front of them. And remember, God did a miracle and parted the sea and the, and the children of Israel started to walk through. 
but the, but the, the Egyptian army were hell bent on destroying them, and they started to follow them through the water. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 24, it says, During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army, and it threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving, and the Egyptians said, let's go away from the, let's get away from the Israelites. Help me out, somebody. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. Listen. And so that was a direct answer to prayer. The Egyptian army had murder on their mind. <laughs> they decided to follow the, the Israelis through the Red Sea. And the, and, the, and the word of the Lord came to them and said, that the, these Egyptians that you see today, you won't ever see them again because they're not just fighting against you. They're fighting against the Lord Almighty. How many of you know God has the ability to fight our battles for us? Amen. He has ability to fight the battles and to give us the victory. What are you facing today? Have a little talk with Jesus and let God know what's going on. The next thing I need you to do is to remember to ask specifically for what you need. Ask specifically for what you need. Stay away from the, the world peace prayers, you know. Or just bless me and bless everybody and, you know, feed the world. Stay, stay away from those prayers. I mean, they're fine. But be specific. Matthew 7, 8 says this through 11. Jesus speaking says, for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Come on, somebody. So we need to learn to ask God specifically for our needs, not necessarily for our greeds, but to ask him for our needs. And he has the ability to answer our prayers according to his will. And then we have to take it to the next step. We have to, and this is very important when we ask, we need to learn to listen for a response. Write that down. Again, Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. The first thing he says, not, he didn't just say I know them and they follow me. He says they listen to my voice. Now, let me tell you something. Let me give you a little secret. Sometimes when you ask, and if it's according to God's will, he will say yes. And sometimes when you ask, if it's not according to his will, because God is God, amen, he has a plan and a purpose. It's just like, do you tell your children yes to everything they ask for? Do they pitch a fit sometimes? So they sure do. What, 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 do I, what have I always said to my kids and my grandchildren now when they have a little hissy fit after asking for something they don't get? Come, in, where's my, come on, somebody. You don't always get what you want. But if you try sometimes, you just might find 
You get what you need. Teach that to your children. Because it's true with God too. Sometimes he says yes, and sometimes he says no. And listen, and sometimes he says wait. He says wait. And sometimes, listen to me, he says, I've got a better plan. Are you hearing me? The Lord has a will and a plan and a purpose for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper, not harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Sometimes the plan that we come up with is our plan. is not God's plan. And he says, okay, that's okay. (laughs) But I got a better plan. If you will learn to listen to what he's got to say. When, I, when Deb and I were transitioning into full-time ministry, I knew that there was a call in our lives. Um, I was working a, a secular job as a nurse, and, and at some point, I, some of you have heard this story, but for those who haven't, at some point, um, my company got bought out by another company, and the position that the, the area that I was working in was getting phased out. And so I had to get to a place where, okay, Lord, this job is going away. It has been providing for the family for, for all this time. Um, I need you to direct me to where I need to go next in terms of filling out my resume and where to send. Because I, I, I brought all that stuff to the Lord. My prayer closet at the time was my garage because <laughs> I had a house full of kids, and that's the only place I can get away. It, it didn't matter. So I'd go into my garage bef- in, in, in the morning, and I knew this was happening. And so I'd go in there, and, and I'd pray, Lord, uh, what should I do? Where should I apply next? And this was the word of the Lord. It wasn't audible. It was in my spirit. This is what he said. He said, don't apply Go to your church and make yourself available to work. I said, okay. Let me continue to pray because I'm not sure I'm I'm hearing this correctly. Lord, let me just explain to you. I've got two kids at the time, three, three kids at the time. I've got a mortgage. I've got car payments. The job is phasing out. And I need to know where you, I'm, I'm supposed to go apply for a job. And the word of the Lord came back, you don't apply, go to the church and make yourself available. Okay. Now, I've got to go to work, so I come out of my prayer closet. Deborah knows that's what I was going in there to pray about. She said, what did the Lord say? I said, the Lord said, don't apply. I'm supposed to go to the church and make myself available. She said, go back and ask again. <laughs> and so I did. And I got, I got the same response. And so I carried myself to the church. First thing, I got off of work. The job was phased, uh, fading out within the next you know, two weeks or so. I went to the church. <laughs> I called for the pastor. I said, listen, um, this is what's going on at my work. But every time I pray about going to find another job, the Lord says I'm supposed to come here 
and make myself available. He was ecstatic. This is great. He said, but you understand we have no funds to pay you. I said, I know that because I was on the finance committee at the time and I was the head of the finance committee. I knew there was zero funds to take on another minister, zero. So that's why it was, and my wife knew it too. That's why she sent me back for the third time to go talk to the Lord. I said, okay. He said, but I can give you an office. I can give you a desk. And these were the words that came out of my mouth. I believe that where God guides, he provides. But if I'm wrong, the house is going, the car is going. <laughs> I'm going to have major problems in my marriage because she's counting on the, me to hear from the Lord. The job faded out. I started working at the church with a guarantee of zero income. And I, we didn't have, you know, some people have like a year's savings. No, we, we were paycheck to paycheck. That next paycheck had to come on time. Knock at the door at the church. Who's at the, who's at the door of the church? It was the head of the Department of Juvenile Justice, the head, the top guy. He knocks. He wants to speak to the pastor. What does he want to tell the pastor? We have a problem. We had a contract with this other company. It fell through. We need someone who has the ability to put, on, to, to put on a day program for up to 21 delinquent children a day. Oh, by the way, it's fully funded. Do you have anyone in the church who's able to do that? Oh, by the way, we were doing day programs. That was, that's what I did with the other company. He says, there is one person at the church. <laughs> <laughs> who happens to occupy an office <laughs> right over here. <laughs> and, and, and listen, I did not miss a paycheck. I went straight into full-time ministry, and I've been in full-time ministry ever since. Come on, somebody. We've got, and over 20 years, we've got to get to the place where we start to listen to the voice of the Lord. You may have a good idea, but it may not be God's idea for you. And God's plans are better than our plans for ourselves. Amen? Amen. So we got to get to that place. In Psalms, Psalms 23, David said, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. <laughs> One translation says, I shall not want, or I shall not be in want. I don't care what the economy is going on, what's going on with the economy. I don't care how high the inflation gets. We got a shepherd who has the ability to cause us to lack nothing. Amen? Come on, somebody. He says, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his namesake. And even though I walk through the, the darkest valley, one translation says, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me and your rod and your staff that comfort me. 
Come <laughs> on, somebody. God knows where all the green pastures are and all the quiet waters are. And if we get to the place where we would acknowledge him as his shepherd, now listen, don't be so proud. Well, I don't need the shepherd. David was anointed and eventually will walk in the office of the king. And he's declaring, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. And so the first thing we want to do is to tell Jesus what's going on in our lives. The second thing is to be specific as to what your needs are. The third is to listen for a response because sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says wait for it, and sometimes he says, hmm, I've got a better plan than that. How about trying it this way? And then the last thing is we got to know and to learn, again, to trust his voice. Know and to learn to trust his voice. Because not every so-called good advice is God's advice. And not every voice that you hear is God's voice. Sometimes the voice you hear are the voice of people. Sometimes it's your own voice in your own head. Sometimes it's the whispers of the enemy trying to lead you down the wrong path. But not every voice that you hear is the voice of the shepherd. Now, listen to me. I want to do a little exercise just for a moment. I want everybody to close their eyes. Close your eyes. And I want you to ask the Lord sincerely this question. Lord, what do you think of me? Now listen to me. If the voice or the impression you got was one of love and acceptance, that was probably the voice of God. But if it was one of guilt and condemnation, that was probably not the voice of God. Jesus, when he was tempted, the Bible says three times in the wilderness, he heard the voice of the devil. Listen to me. And all appeal, all the devil's appeals appeal to your flesh, but it will do something. It will contradict the word of God. So whenever these temptations came to Jesus, what did he do to negate or, or to fight against it? He says, it, it, he came back with this statement, it is written. He came back in defense using God's word against the temptations and the deceptions of the enemy. Listen to me. If you and I are going to correctly discern God's voice, you have to get to know God's word. You have to spend a little bit more time in, in what the Bible has to say about your life. Amen? And because the Bible has a lot to say. It has a lot to say about how we 
handle our finances. It has a lot to say about how we should conduct ourselves in our relationships in terms of who you're hanging out with and whom you're partnering with and, and how you conduct yourself in that aspect. John the Baptist was sent by the Lord, the Bible says, and he had a word from the Lord. And I want you to listen to this exchange in, 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 uh, in, in uh, Luke 3. It says, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrarch of Eturia, and Traconis, Traconitus, and Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene, say that five times fast, during the high priesthood of, let me say this right, Annas <laughs> and Cephas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it, as it is written, as it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet. So now John is quoting the prophet. The word of the Lord came to him and said, you are going to make this declaration. And he confirmed it with using the Bible. And this is what the word said, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked places shall become straight and the rough ways smooth. And all people will see God's salvation. John said to the crowds coming to him to be baptized by him, listen, he said, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we are Abraham, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. And so now he's got their attention because it was basically the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were coming, and he called them what they were because they were religious people, but they, they said one thing, but they were living another lifestyle. They were, they were the, Jesus called them the blind leading the blind. And so he said, now produce fruit in keeping with repentance. You're coming for baptism. Now start to live that way. And he warned them that the ax is at the root of the tree. And don't declare, oh, we're Abraham's children or because we're in the family. Listen to me. God, God only has uh, children. He has to have grandchildren. Just because your mama was a Christian doesn't make you a Christian. Or just because your aunt or your uncle or whatever, you have to come to Christ for yourself. And you have to make that declaration for yourself. So he tells them that. Now, he's got their attention because he says the axe is at the root of the tree and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So now they're asking questions. Well, what shall we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. And anyone who has food should do the same. Even the tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Then the soldiers, the, even the soldiers, the occupying soldiers came to him for baptism. They asked, what shall we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't excuse, don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. 
Now notice something, that pretty much every single advice that John gives comes right out of the Scripture, comes right out of the Word of God. And if you want to know God's specific will for you, because everybody wants God's plan for them, the details, but if you want to know the specific will, you've got to learn his general will or his heart because his specific will is not going to contradict what the Word of God says. He is, not, he is never going to tell you to, to, to go rob a bank. Come on, somebody. He's never going to tell you to have an affair with a married man or a married woman. He's not going to tell you specifically, you know, Pastor Rick, you don't understand. I just, this person, I love this person. They're, they're my person. Oh, they're, they're married. He's not going to tell you to, to, to jump into a relationship with that because he's already spoken on these issues. Does that make sense? So we got to know what God's word says to, to, to correctly be able to, to discern his voice in our lives. And if you're feeling alone and in need because of some trial that you're going through, you need to know that David, King David felt alone as well, but he continued to put his trust in the Lord. Psalms 41 says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to, to our God. And many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O oh Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. No one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, there would be too many to declare. And I love that last verse. I love verse 5 where David writes, the things that you planned for us, no one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, there would be too many to declare. Friends, hear me today. God has a plan and a purpose for our lives, for absolutely everything that happens in our lives. God has a plan and a purpose. And his plans for you are good <laughs> because he is the wonderful counselor. Amen? Now, having said that, Isaiah went on to write in chapter 53, and he describes Jesus in further detail. Again, some 700 years before Jesus would even be uh, born on this planet. This is what the Isaiah saw in Isaiah 53. He says he wouldn't simply come to make society right, but he would come to make us right with God. And this is what he said in Isaiah 53. He says, but he was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so when Jesus came to this earth, he came with a purpose. The Bible says, not to condemn the world, but to seek and to save the lost. Those who are broken and down, downtrodden by sin. And who did he come to save? Folks, he came to save us. 
The Bible says all of us, and it, de de and it declares that every single one of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, not even one. But the good news is that Paul writes that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because God laid on Jesus the penalty for all our sins and what we deserve. Jesus paid the price. Greatest gift ever given to anyone is what Jesus did for me and what Jesus did for you. And that's why the scripture declares, you see it in, in, the, in all the stadiums and they're hanging it out everywhere. God is sending a message. For God so loved you. For God so loved me that he gave his one and only son that if I would just believe in him, I would not perish, but I'd have eternal life. Believe what? That Jesus paid it all. That he came as, as a substitution for my sins and your sins and the sins of the world. And God will count my sins as covered by the blood of Jesus. What about you today? Have you come to the wonderful counselor? He doesn't have grandchildren or great-grandchildren. He only has children. Are you a child of God? Have you made a personal commitment to him to understand that you are a sinner and you need a Savior? And the Bible says not, that there's none righteous, no, not one, and you are not the exception, and neither am I. We all need Jesus. And the good news is the Bible makes it very clear that he loves us all. He's not trying to condemn us. He's trying to save us, and he's trying to bring us into a right relationship with him because he's the wonderful counselor. I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. He knows who your partner in life is supposed to be. God, God told me about Deborah before. He told me this is going to be my wife. When you get to that place where you start to listen, you will start to make decisions and, and you will start to walk in the places of green pastures and still waters. To better discern his voice, I've got to get into his word because this is his general will for every single one of us. And he tells us what his priorities are. Even in the Ten Commandments, he tells you what his priorities are. Don't digress from it. Don't rationalize and justify it. If, if you want God's plan for your life, the Bible says everyone who seeks me finds me if they seek me with half a heart, with all your heart. Are you giving him all your heart or are you giving him leftovers? Well, God wants to give counsel. And some of you are facing some situations today, decisions that you have to make, whether it's career, whether it's personal in terms of relationship, whether it's how you even see yourself, God wants to talk to you about it. 
let's have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles. You know, that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to get to that place where we trust him. Have you done that? Will you come to the wonderful counselor, the one who loves you the most? And so, for the, I'm going to come to a close, but I want to give, if there are issues that are pressing in your life that you need to hear from the Lord about, we're going to open up this altar. I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask uh, some of the prayer team to come on, come on down here. But before we do, I want to give everyone an opportunity to come to the wonderful counselor. If you've not yet accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, the Bible says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. It's as simple as acknowledging that you need a Savior and coming in agreement with what the Word of God says. It says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You almost have to humble yourself to acknowledge that you, you've sinned. But that's the truth. You haven't always done the right thing. You haven't always, you know, we've all, we all have made mistakes, but God is willing to forgive. And so if you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior, I ask someone to bow their heads and close their, close their eyes and say something like this from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you today and I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, I need a Savior, and that Jesus came as my wonderful counselor and as the redeemer of the world, as Isaiah saw hundreds of years, as the person who was wounded for my transgressions and bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was laid upon him and by his stripes. I'm healed and I'm reconciled to you today. I acknowledge my need for a Savior. I believe that Jesus came to die for me and three days later to rise from the dead. Today, I, com I commit my life to him. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.